Well, good morning again. Uh, it's, uh, it's a great joy for Kaylee and me to be joining you on this uh, tremendous occasion, um, and uh, um, it's a real pleasure to be uh, sharing it with you. I hope I'm not about to disappear to some other time zone, um, but uh, we'll hopefully that machine is at a safe distance and David doesn't have a remote control. That would be very alarming. Why don't I pray? Uh, Father, we thank you for your great kindnesses towards us in the Lord Jesus Christ, for this moment to share together and rejoice in all that you've done and are doing through the gospel of your Son in this place. We pray that you'd open our hearts now to receive your word with gladness, trust and obedience, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Uh, can I uh, just add my welcome to uh, uh, Mr John Faker and uh, Alex Young, representing the local member T Tony Burke. Uh, and uh, our Mayor, thank you for joining us today and uh, thank you for everything that you do for our local community and for us as well. Uh, and we're so glad you can join us. Um, and uh, as we celebrate 175 years of Christian ministry in this place, it's very appropriate for David to have acknowledged the Wongal people and the Diocese of Sydney is committed to friendship and humility, uh, walking together with our Aboriginal uh, uh, First Nations people in humility, seeking the reconciliation that is the gift of God's Son. So thank you for doing that, uh, David. Um, as we've already heard, the foundation stone for this church building was laid on the 1st of February 19, uh, <laughs> 1848, uh, services having begun slightly earlier in the hall uh, that, as George pointed out in the video, was uh, located in the same place where the present hall is. Um, uh, services had begun there, and on, during the week, of course, it was used um, as a free school, as the gift of Thomas Hines. Uh, and the land uh, for the church and for the cemetery and the school was donated by um, Thomas Hines, who, again, as we've heard, arrived in Sydney in 1803 uh, as a convict um, with uh, uh, the woman he met on the boat, Charlotte, who was also uh, sentenced to transportation to Australia, um, they met on the boat uh, and became uh, and, and were married um, at uh, Churchill in York Street in Sydney uh, in 1806. Uh, they received a pardon in the 18, 18 teens, uh, 1814, I think, um, and subsequently. Thomas became a very successful farmer and businessman and indeed uh, an alderman of the City of Sydney Council. Um, services began here in January 1849 and ministry has continued uninterrupted since that time. William Grant Broughton consecrated the church in December of that year. He was the first Bishop of Sydney, the only one to be known as Bishop of Australia. I like to call him my predecessor. <laughs> uh, and what a marvel it is that we've gathered here together uh, in the same place where those who preceded us, 70 adults, I think, gathered for the consecration service, men and women and children. Um, the first Bishop of Australia, I'm not sure he would have anticipated that I might succeed him, uh, but here we are. But it's not the laying of a foundation stone, is it, for which we're giving thanks. Church histories are written by historians uh, who tend to focus on the history of clergy uh, and architecture. 
But the letter of the Apostle Peter um, to some of the earliest Christian communities from which we had our reading is all about the people. And I do appreciate that emphasis. This building, uh, smart and tidy as it is, St. Thomas's, the home to a continuous fellowship of people. How wonderful to have some very senior saints and members with us today. No one who was here at the first service. But for one and three-quarter centuries, a continuous life of hearing God's word, as we have heard it read today, of prayer, of compassionate, generous service in response to that word, and in light of the needs of this local community through times of war, of economic growth and decline, through seasons of industrial strife and hardship and pandemic. COVID was not the first. 175 years of serving this community in neighbourly care and concern, of hospitality as community members gathered here for special occasions, baptisms and weddings and funerals, of course, but also social occasions, times of need when help was dispensed from here, and countless thousands of interactions, kindnesses, prayers, moments of shared tears and comfort and prayerful hope. In so many ways, these are ordinary things for Christians, and there are times of hardship for Christian communities as well, times of uh, lean years or disappointment. But anniversaries give us the opportunity to remember with thanks the ordinary goodness of God that is poured out upon us through the gospel of his Son, in which we share and which is, in the end, all that we have to offer the world, the grace and hope and love of God that we have known in Jesus Christ. For 175 years, the congregations of St. Thomas's have shared in God's grace in Jesus and offered him to this community. And that is entirely something for which to give thanks. Well, over that long period of growth and change and challenge, is there anything we can say remains constant? And I think it's the pattern of being shaped by the grace of God. You can see it in the verse, the last verse of the passage, which we started our service with. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Something that every succeeding generation has in common across 175 years of the life of this church. Every generation of parishioners here at St. Thomas's could lay claim to the title, People of God, because of what they had in common. And I think there are at least three sources of this common identity, a common foundation, a common experience, a common calling that made them, in every generation, the people of God. So let's think about each of those in the next few minutes. A common foundation the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter uses the image of a foundation stone to describe what God is doing through his son. 
the living stone, Jesus Christ. In verse 4 of the passage that Pam read to us, as you come to him, Jesus, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. The picture is of a spiritual house built of living human stones, being built by God, built on the cornerstone that is precious in God's sight, his only son, Jesus Christ. All of God's plans are built on this stone, depend on this stone and take their shape from this cornerstone. Peter says he's rejected by many, but chosen and precious to God. He was the stone the builders rejected. His own did not receive him though he was the promised deliverer. Because Jesus didn't bring a political or military solution to the problems of his people that they hoped for. He spoke of a kingdom that was not promoted or protected by weapons. He welcomed children and sinners and the powerless and the despised. He offered his life on a cross. And as the Old Testament prophet says, He bore the sins of many, and the punishment that was ours was laid on him. By his wounds, we are healed. Jesus, God's cornerstone, the foundation of his plans for his people, the world, and the future. And that's important to know, isn't it? Because we're encouraged to think that the future depends on Leadership or stock markets or exam results or health checks or property values. I received a brochure recently from a superannuation company that was titled, So You Want to Live Forever? (laughs) And I thought I must have a read of this. (laughs) An interesting, uh, uh, the superannuation company's taking an interest in eternal life. I that this is a good thing. But I was disappointed to discover that uh, what you need to ensure you can live forever is at the time of your retirement enough money to renovate your bathroom twice. (laughs) I know you're all thinking now, have I got enough money to renovate my bathroom twice? But the apostle tells us the future is bound up with Jesus and God's plans for him. And... Peter says to the little Christian communities who received this letter in the first century, to you who believe, this stone is precious. What all the generations of worshippers at St. Thomas's Enfield had in common, Jesus had become precious to them and he has become precious to us. As you come to him, Peter says, coming to Jesus is our pattern, our daily experience. God's foundation has become our foundation, orienting our lives around him, taking directions from him. For 2,000 years across the globe, 
175 years in Enfield, the Church of Jesus has just one song. Nothing more valuable, nothing more worthy, nothing more glorious than Jesus, the foundation stone. And because he is the foundation stone laid by God, we trust him, we obey him, we love him, we serve him, we await him, we adore him. He is precious to us. Were he not the living stone, we would be the living dead. Because he is the living stone, resurrected from the dead, we will live with him forever. What unites the people of God across time and space? A common foundation, the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, a common experience, the mercy of God. A common experience, the mercy of God. Uh, We understand well the way in which a common experience has a powerful capacity to unite people and shape their life. The pandemic uh, um, had that impact on us, making us think think of those uh, 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 whose work was hidden but so valuable, essential, the cleaners, the people who stack shelves, the transport... um, Uh, people who transport goods across the country. It made us think about our neighbours and neighbourhoods. Who needed a hand? What could I do to offer a common experience with a powerful capacity to unite people? It's often said that Gallipoli formed this nation, and that is true enough if you include in that idea the extraordinary and dreadful impact at home of the deaths of Australia's finest overseas. 17 members of this parish gave their lives in World War I out of the 118 whose names are recorded on that board at the back of this church. 30 more in World War II. It became the policy of the government to ask the local Anglican minister to deliver the devastating news of men killed in action to their families making the arrival of the local vicar at your gate an ominous and feared sight. Like virtually every church, St Thomas's Enfield grieved with this district from the inside out. It was a wretched but shared experience. The Apostle Peter writes to the first Christian communities that he refers to as scattered and exiles and sojourners and observes that what binds them together is not nationality or language or culture but a common experience of God. Verse 10 again. Once you were not a people, now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. They have a common experience of God's mercy. You might think that the fundamental experience of God that is shared by the people of God is their experience of love. And you'd be right. But when humans experience God's love, that is always the experience of mercy. A love to which we are not entitled, something we don't deserve and often don't even desire. 
Peter puts it this way, God has called us out of darkness into his marvellous light. The darkness is described in different ways in the Bible. There's the darkness of not knowing God, our creator, or rejecting him. There's the darkness of the fear of death, the darkness of being unsure how to live, what to do, even the darkness of not being sure whether you matter at all and the things that lie in our hearts, jealousy and greed and self-centeredness, the darkness of fear of people you don't even know. But the story of the Bible is the story of God calling people out of darkness into his marvellous light. The story of God adopting as dearly loved children relentless rebels. The story of God making a people to be his very own. And God is able to do this only because his son, Jesus the cornerstone, lays down his life in order that our lives may be saved. Which is why God's love for us is always the experience of mercy, always undeserved, always amazing. The common experience of the people of God, the experience of his mercy. Charlotte and Thomas Hines were transported for life to Sydney as convicts in 1803. They met on the boat. They were married by Samuel Marsden in 1806. They were pardoned by Governor Macquarie in 1814. Mercy transformed their lives and arguably the whole community. And it's a truly wonderful thing to think that for 175 years, this community of St Thomas's Enfield has offered to the people of this district an experience of God in his mercy. He's not a tyrant. He's not a bully. He's not a stern father. He's not a harsh master. He's a God of mercy. The reading begins with Peter's words, as you come to him. And people have been coming to Jesus in response to his invitation, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So when we hold out to others Jesus Christ, we hold out the mercy we ourselves have received. Common experience of the people of God. And thirdly and lastly, the third marker of the people of God is their common calling. Verse 9, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light.
having received mercy through the good news that was preached, God's people declare his praises. Or some translations say, proclaim his excellencies. And I have to say, I prefer that one. His excellencies, his love and mercy, which forgives and welcomes, his truth, which guides us in a sure path, his faithfulness, which sustains us in every moment, his generosity, which provides for our needs, his mighty power to save and remake us, his awesome holiness, which will not tolerate sin, yet his costly love, which washes sinners clean, his powerful spirit that turns our hearts towards him and changes our hearts to love him and to love others. These are the things that we are to declare. Peter, who three times denied Jesus, denied Jesus, denied Jesus, becomes the one who says to God's people, speak of him who gave his son for you. To whom do we make this declaration? To God in our songs and prayer and preaching. To each other when we meet together to encourage one another. And to the world, a world so hungry for good news, a world that rarely offers or experiences mercy, a world that lies under the shadow of death. And what we declare, we are also to demonstrate in our lives as God's people. Peter says at the end of this passage, as citizens of another kingdom, live lives of such beauty, purity and compassion so as to bless your neighbours that they may glorify God with us on the day of his visitation. There is to be truth proclaimed and practised. Declaration and demonstration, doctrine and devotion. When Thomas Hines donated this land for the erection of a school and church, he said this, I am only a steward of what I possess, considering myself a debtor to my master God. I have Uh, I was induced to build this school and assist in raising the church as a mark of gratitude to the one to whom all the silver and gold belongs. That's a moving testimony, isn't it, from a man who was convicted of theft. A steward of my master's treasure. A man transformed by mercy. And from these faithful beginnings, for 175 years, the community of St. Thomas's Enfield has ministered the gospel to young people and children, to war veterans and widows, to 
to families and students and workers and business people, to all and any who were interested to know or with whom they had the opportunity to share. Right up to today. Because you are this community. And here you are. That's glorious, isn't it? It ought to humble us, fill us with joy and thanksgiving. The common foundation, the Lord Jesus Christ, precious to God and precious to his people. A common experience, the experience of God's mercy as we come to him, the living stone who loved us and gave himself for us. A common calling to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. What the people of God across time and space and the people of God here in Enfield have known of the Lord's mercy over 175 years and many more to come, we trust. So we give thanks and commend ourselves again into the service of him who died for our sins and was raised again, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.